Welcome to Kuhau Podcast. We thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time listening in with us, we want you to know that you are a part of a new loving family. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message encourages you and transforms your life. Now stay tuned for today's message. Romans chapter 10 verse 13 says, Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless someone sends them? That is what the scriptures are talking about when they say, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace with God and bring glad tithings of good things. In other words, how welcome are those who come preaching God's good news. And so in the first installment of this series, what we covered is that God has called each and every one of us to tell. And so the four things that we brought out was, we kind of broke it down in an acronym, and that's tell others the good news. Amen? See, some of us have been spreading the bad news, but God told us to spread the good news. The second point that we covered was that we're to employ the right bait. Listen, God, God has called us to be fishermen and men, but sometimes we're, we're using the wrong bait. Number three, God has called us to love people. And four, to learn to share your story. I think uh, many of us, many of our friends and family know that we go to church, but they never heard our story. Amen. They know you go to church every Sunday, but they've never heard your story. And I think one of the greatest ways that God has uh, given us to reach people is what he's done in your life. Tell someone your story. Amen? And so uh, for the next, for, for these four weeks, we said that we're going to pray for three people. And so you can go to kuhau.com slash one chair. And we're going to pray for three people. Not ten people. Not, I know you're praying for the nations. I know. But I, I, I want to encourage you just to pray for three people and devote all your prayery, prayer energy to these three people and ask God to minister to their lives so that when you invite them, the soil be ready for the seed to be planted. Amen? And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray for these three people. So uh, this is our third week. We're, we're on our third week of praying for them. And next week, we finish praying for them. You can continue praying for them. But specifically, then we want to make an invitation to come join us for our five-year anniversary. And we're going to believe that when they come through these doors, God is going to minister to them. Amen? Amen. Um, in today's scripture, we're going to speak out. Now, I want you to hear me here. I want to preach a message to us that I think you, you ever been to church and you heard a good message, like a really good, I hope if you've been coming here that you can say yes and amen to that, right? But you ever been to a church service and it's like a powerful service, but you walk out of there and you're like, they're like, yo, man, that message, yo, that service was powerful today. And you're like, man, it was powerful. And then someone asks you, what was the message about? And you're like, I don't know, but it was powerful, man. It was anointed. The Holy Spirit was there. And you'd have, I, I want to tell you something right off the bat. That might not be today's message. Today's message might be the most practical message you hear, but I believe that God 
ministers in the practicality so that we can have handles in order to be equipped to do God's work. Amen? Amen? Amen. So let's go to Matthew chapter 5, and it says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled on the foot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds, watch this, shine out for all to see. Now, look at the goal of your deeds being seen. It is not so that you can get the glory. Look at, look at the purpose of why you are gifted. Look at the purpose of why you have works and why you do what you do. Let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Yeah, everyone, everyone's going to see. So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So that everyone, the goal of your good deeds being seen is so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Father, before we pray, I want to give you our mission statement, and it's Kuhau exists to reach everyone we can with the good news of Jesus Christ, that they may walk in the abundant life God has for them by loving God, loving people, and loving life. Can you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you. We thank you that you're going to speak today, and Lord, that you're going to do only what you can do, that I will use my mouth and I will speak words but it is only you that will change hearts so I give you all the glory and all the honor today help me preach this two hour message in half an hour and please don't let these skinny jeans break on me in Jesus name, amen and amen if you become a vegan you can wear skinny jeans too and um, <laughs> um, I don't know about you, I, I want to be I, I really want to be quick today, I know I, I want us to get and have a good time with our fathers, but uh, have you ever played a prank? Any, anyone ever played pranks? Only, only the pastor's wife. Okay. We're in good hands. Um, uh, I love pranks. Uh, one of the, my favorite things I love to do is, a, is actually watch, watch prank shows in YouTube. Um, and so, uh, you know, when, I don't, when I'm not studying the word, I'm watching YouTube pranks. And uh, I remember as a kid, it's what I enjoyed doing the most. Uh, one of the, the things I enjoyed doing is playing pranks on people. And there's some epic, epic pranks that go down in history, right? Uh, one of the things I loved doing was uh, picking on my uncle. Simon, I love you. Forgive me for sharing this. Um, and, and one of the things that we used to do, all our brothers would get together. We lived in Harlem for a little while, and uh, we would put Vaseline on the pillow, And he would lay on the pillow and have Vaseline all over his face. To make it worse, when he got up and started complaining, we were ready with baby powder in our hands to blow in his face. This is before Christ. I'm telling you, that's my testimony, okay? Some people got shot. I blowed baby powder in people's faces. <laughs> this Lord set me free from what? Blowing baby powder in people's faces. And uh, I, I love this. We used to take 
water balloons and filled them up with not water but oil and vinegar and throw them off our third floor apartment and hit people. This is what we enjoyed doing. We didn't have iPads. We had oil and vinegar balloons. And so we would throw them. And I love it. And, and I can't. I'm 35 years old. And I can't deny that I'm still not over my prank stage because I love pranking my wife. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest. She loves pranking me too. She loves pranking this 260-pound, 35-year-old handsome man. Loves pranking me. And then she can't take it. And, I, like, I'll come into, I'll come into the, I came into the house one day, and I was like, hey, honey, I'm home. She was in the shower. I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to open the door. I opened the door, and I just stood outside the bathtub. And when she opened that, she saw this, and she said, ah! And she started swinging at me like if I was a stranger. But she loves pregnancy. Yo, yesterday, yesterday I'm walking. You know what she does? I'm walking. And she just puts a foot literally in front of me. She goes like this. I trip over her foot. And she's like, ah! She loves pranking me. Like, our prank's awesome. Like, one of the, I mean, there's some good pranks. Putting, putting uh, other liquid on your shampoo and conditioner, right? There's some, there's some interesting pranks. How about, how about this? You ever did this? This is a great, great prank. You ever loosen the cap of a salt shaker? And everyone says, that was me. I've done it. Have you realized, I say all that to say that, have you realized that what makes it a prank is that you take all the salt and it's all poured in one place. And that ruins the dish. Right? It's funny as heck. But it ruins the dish. And I just thought about that analogy because I thought about this. That the properties of salt clunked up against each other have absolutely no amazing value. In fact, salt can't really be experienced in all of its goodness when it's clumped up in a bottle. And salt cannot be experienced in all its goodness when it's poured out in one place. See, salt is not of magnanimous value unless it's spread and not stored. See, oftentimes I think that when Jesus says something like this to his disciples, he says, you are the salt of the earth, we think that we're being salt oftentimes when we come to church and we're gathered together. But let me tell you, you are salt not when you're stored up and gathered in one place. Hear me, you are the body of Christ, amen. We come to church on Sundays and we're worshiping the King of kings and Lord of lords. But I want to tell you this morning that you are most like salt when you are spread out into this world. And I genuinely believe that God has called us to be the salt of Staten Island, New York. Not to simply be clunked up in one place, but to go out into the outside of the four walls of the church and be the salt of the earth. Come on, if you believe that this morning, give God some praise in this place. Today's title, the title to today's message is this, please pass the salt. 
Look at the person next to you. Tell them, please pass the salt. Tell them, please pass the salt. Uh, God, Jesus, he tells his disciples, you are the salt of the earth. And I want to tell you, when we hear this, many times we put it in our own context, but the context that we are hearing this, or the disciples were hearing this, they're hearing this in this context, that the Roman government is now over the Jews. And so this is Jesus' most epic message. This is actually considered the Sermon of the Mount. Many scholars believe that the Sermon of the Mount is the most amazing message that Jesus ever preached. It is, the most, it is the longest documented message that Jesus ever preached in Matthew chapter 5. It actually takes about three to four chapters of the Bible. And so Jesus makes this statement in the context of one of the most epic messages he's ever preached. But the thing is that he preached some hard things. He said things like this in this context to people that were waiting to hear, oh, you have come to set us free from the Roman government. Things like this, blessed are the humble. Have you ever had a bad day at church? What do I mean? That you came fighting all the way to church and the pastor preached on how to love the person that you live with? Right? Like you did something wrong and of everything you did wrong, the pastor preached it the next week. I've literally had people come up to me and be like, Pastor, how did you know that? I don't, I just, listen, I just preach. I just preach. If God put it in my words, it's because God wants you to hear it. Right? And so Jesus is preaching a message that they want to overthrow the, go, uh, the Roman government. And Jesus says, be humble in spirit. Be poor in spirit. He says things, blessed are you when you are persecuted for my name. He says, they're going to talk about you. They're going to say wild things about you. But guess what? You are blessed. It is in this context that Jesus says, hear me, you are, I want you to lean in. You are the salt of the earth. And I'm like, why, why salt, right? Like, he, he doesn't say you are the pepper of the earth. He doesn't say you are the Nutella of the earth. He wasn't Hispanic, so he didn't say you are the adobo of the earth. He says you are the salt of the earth. He, he, and I do a little investigation. When I look at salt, I think if Jesus uses the term salt, he wants us to to kind of lean in a little bit and understand what the properties of salt are. If he's using that example, well, why did he say you are the salt of the earth? See, many times we have the salt stored up in our house and we think that that's the salt that Jesus is talking about. But in the ancient world, when Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, you know what he's saying? He's saying you are of utmost value. When he says you're the salt of the earth, see, salt at the time was the second highest valued commodity in that ancient world. Salt, there was no refrigerators, there wasn't anything like that. What, what God or, or what the Jewish community used was salt. In fact, salt at times was used as a payment for services. There's a Latin word called salarium. And this Latin word salarium was actually the word that was used when salt was used as payment to the Roman soldiers. And so when Jesus says you are the salt of the earth, many times we hear it like I'm the salt of the earth. I got that on my table. Like how is that what I am? I don't get it. I'm much better looking at salt. Jesus is saying no. Like in, if you're in the, the disciples are hearing this in the ancient world with the ancient understanding. And they're saying wait, what? We're the salt of the earth. Salt is used for payment 
to the Roman soldiers. Salt is used as a salary. We get our word salary from the word salarium. And salarium was when salt was used as payment. They say, or oh, did you receive your salarium? Or did you receive your payment of salt? Because that's how valuable salt was. You know what Jesus is saying? Listen, you are the gift to this world. Did you know that? Kuhau, did you know that you are a gift to this world? Did you know that you are utmost value to this world? Did you know that God has placed you in this world so that you can be a blessing to this world? Did you know that God has inserted it in your neighborhood, that God has inserted you in your job? Why? So that you can be a blessing to this world. He says you're the salt of the earth. He says you are the salt of the earth. Why? What is he saying? He says you're the wealth of Jesus. Why? Because you have received an inheritance, and if you have received, and somebody say, I'm rich. See, I think we need to say that more often in church. I think many times we allow the world to dictate what richness is, but I think that we ought to look at ourselves in church and say, I'm rich. Why? Because I'm blessed. I'm rich because God has given me in Ephesians chapter 3 every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. I mean, do we have any rich people in the house? I'm not talking about monetary gain. I'm talking about a greater wealth, and that is the wealth of Jesus. He says you're the salt of the earth. Look at the person next you tell them please pass the salt please pass the salt he says look what uh second corinthians chapter 5 verse 18 says all these new things are from god who brought us back to himself through christ jesus now now i want you to pay attention here this is so important and god has given us hear me God has given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. For God was in Christ restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sin against them, but blotting them out. Now watch, this is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. What have we been telling other people? See, the moment you stop being salt and you start being, sharing something else other than what God has called you to share, you start telling people about religion. And God is saying that salt is not religion. Salt is a relationship with God. Here's the message. We are, look at it says, it says, for God was in Christ restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sin against them, but blotting them out. This is the wonderful message. Someone shout, this is the wonderful message. This is the wonderful me message he has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as through Christ himself, we are pleading with you, receive the love he offers you, be reconciled to God. What is he saying? He's saying, listen, you are the agents of change that I'm using to transform the world I love. 
He says, you're the agents of change that I have strategically placed in the context that you're placed in so that you can be my agents of love to this world. He says, I've already done my, my part on the cross. It's time that you do your part here in this world. And that's why I'm saying, you are the salt of the earth. Someone shout, please pass the salt. But what happens when salt loses its flavor? See, the original language says, uh, loses its savor or its effectiveness or its intended purpose. In Matthew 13, he says, if salt loses its taste, how can it be made to taste like salt again? It is no longer good. It is thrown away and people walk on it. He says, what happens when salt loses its, its, its savor? What happens when uh, salt loses its flavor? You know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, uh, many times we, we look at that in context and he's saying, oh, we're thrown away. We, we're thrown away. God throws us away in the garbage or we're going to hell. And many times this scripture has been misinterpreted on so many levels. And uh, don't, don't we find it funny how people use the Bible over and over to condemn other people? Do you notice that the message that God has entrusted us in is not a message of condemnation but a message of redemption? And what he's saying is, he, he says, when salt loses its, its savor is when a person demotes themselves from what I've called them to be. He says, when you don't see yourself as the wealth and the blessing to this world, you're literally undermining who I've called you to be. And so I want to give you three properties that salt has that I believe that God has called each and every one of us to exhibit in the world around us. Number one, salt preserves. Someone shout, salt preserves. And tell the person next to you, I don't think they heard you. Tell them, salt preserves. Tell them, salt preserves. And so before there were refrigerators, what, what um, ancient Jewish, Jewish culture would do is that they would take salt and they would rub it on uh, meat. They, they weren't vegans. And they would rub it on the meat and they would use the salt to preserve the meat so that the meat won't decay. And when we look at salt as a preserver, what God is telling us is, hey, listen, I've placed you in this world so that you can stop the decay. Uh, Y'all not hearing me today. Someone, someone needs the fan on this side or on that side. But <laughs> he says, I I've placed you in your context so that you can stop the decay. And so often, historically, what we see is people placed in context and they complain about their surrounding God, why did you put me here? God, I hate this. I can't believe I'm this. Look at this person. God, I can't, oh my goodness, Lord, uh, Lord, if she look at me like that one more time, there's going to be some problems. And God is saying, oh man, you're losing your, you're, you're losing your savor because I've placed you in that context to stop the decay. See, if you are removed from that context or if you become part of that context, then you're no longer effective in the place that I placed you in. And I placed you there so that you can stop the decay. See, when, when, when the Bible says that salt is now thrown away into 
the road is because once it lost its savor, it was placed on the road because it would stop things from growing. So it's now using a secondary purpose, but not its intended purpose. It's just being used. And so many times we're operating on our, our secondary purposes, which are our preferences, but not our primary purpose, which is what God has called it to do. And so God is saying, hear me, stop the decay. You know why I placed you in that job? It's not so that you can complain about the people at your job. It's so that you can care for the people at your job. Because if it's not you being there, come on. If it's not you being there, that place will be in decay. But instead of complaining, you need to be caring. He says, I've placed you in that setting I've placed you in that relationship. I've placed you in that marriage. I've placed you as fathers. Can I tell you why God has placed you as the leader of your home? So that you can stop the decay. God didn't call you to be a thermometer. God called you to be a thermostat. Yeah, many, man, we are in our setting and we keep allowing things to give us what our temperature is. And God is saying, no, I've, I've placed you there so that you can set the tone. I've placed you in there so that you can change your world around you. I've placed you in there so that you can. I, I remember my friend, he was saying, man, I was hanging in my stoop and I was saying, God, I want to get out of Harlem. He said, God, I want to get out of Harlem. I want to get out of Harlem. I want to get out of Harlem. I, I don't want to raise my kids in Harlem. I'm tired of being in Harlem. I, 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 there's gunshots every morning. He says, if, he said, if I remove you out of Harlem, then I can't move my spirit inside Harlem because I've placed you in Harlem so that my spirit could abide in Harlem so that you can stop the decay. I, I want to I talk to fathers for a second on on this beautiful Father's Day, I just want to give some stats just to show you how powerful your savor is in your family. These are statistics in America. When a, when a mother comes to Christ, hear me, her family will join her at church only 17% of the time. But when a father comes to church, did you hear that 17% of the time? 17% of the time if a mother comes to church. But if a father comes to church, 93% of the time their family comes to church. So, so fathers, can I tell you, you have a big responsibility on your hands. That the first world around you that God has called you to be salt in, the first world around you, God didn't, God didn't place you in your home so that you can be a thermometer, a thermometer in your home. So that you can be dictated what you do. And no, God placed you in your home so that you can set the pace of your home. So that you can lead your family on the way of the ways of Christ. So that you can be a thermostat and change the world around you and then change the neighborhood around you as well. Look at this stat. More than 90% of America, American men believe in God. 90% of American men believe in God. And five out of six call themselves Christians, but only two out of six attend church on Sunday. Can you imagine that? You, you want to see, see this world change? It starts with leading men to Jesus. Because if a father comes to church, they're bringing their whole family 
with them. And, God, and the enemy has tried to strategically destroy the influence of fathers. How? Because when you look at TV programs, the father is the father. Fu- uh, hey, how you doing, guys? <laughs> hey. The kids disrespect the father. The wife disrespects the father. And he's just like, hey, guys. Oh, oh, shucks, here we go. Why? So that the image of the father could be destroyed. Because if the image of the father is destroyed, God know, the enemy knows that the family unit follows. And I want to praise God for all the single mothers who have taken the role. But let me tell you, if you're a father in this home, man, you have a huge responsibility. And I just want to honor you at this moment for standing in the gap for pulling through, for sticking around, and for being the salt of the earth. Can we praise God for all the fathers in this house? Number two, number two, salt adds flavor. Salt gives flavor. And I love this this thought that salt gives flavor because what Jesus is saying, he's saying, I've not only put you in your context so that you can stop the decay, but I've put you in your context so that you can add flavor to this world. What is he saying? Hear me. He's saying this. He's saying, listen, I want the world to see you and see what they got and be like, yours looks like it tastes better than mine. Uh, This is why I can't go out to eat with Lisa. Because no matter how full I am, I could be full to kazoo the way she eats her food. I don't even want my food no more. Why? Because she eats like her food got flavor. I want to tell you today that we ought to live in a way. Listen, if we're still functioning the, the same way, if we're still functioning like our food ain't got flavor, and so the world looks at us like, why do I need what they got? They, don't, they look more miserable than me. God says, nah, nah, you're the salt of the earth. If we're still living, if we're still doing relationships the way the world does relationships, if we're still doing joy the way the world does joy, if we're still doing happiness the way the world does happiness, listen, I don't need that. But I believe that God has called this church to be the salt of the earth. That when, when, when the world gets the, the, gets the whiff, they can, they can smell what's in the air. And they say, man, man, I, I got happiness but your happiness looks like it got flavor. I got joy, but your joy looks like it got flavor. I got a marriage, but your marriage looks like it got flavor. Oh, man, I got a job, but you look like you got flavor in your job. Cannot get what you got. Come on. Is anybody here that's going to say, I want to live a life where the world will take notice and say, I want what you have? Number three, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. Salt causes thirst. Salt causes thirst. What does that mean? You ever heard the saying, you can take a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink? Can, Can I tell you a little secret? We're not meant to, we're not called to force anybody to drink. 
oh, pastor, I can't. You could take a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. Well, we're not called to make anybody drink. Well, I brought them to the water. That's fine. But the question is, are you making them thirsty? See, see, we're not called to make them drink, and we might be called to bring them to the water. But the question is this, are you making them thirsty? Oh, oh, you make someone thirsty, I ensure you they'll take a drink. And, and this is what I believe. What Jesus did when he walked around the world, he didn't force anyone to do anything, but he made them thirsty. See, he, see, he made them be thirsty and hungry for what he had. This is the story that we see in the woman at the well. Jesus simply has a conversation, a.k.a. one chair. Take a seat, one chair. It only takes one chair. And he sits her down, and he has one conversation. And in that one conversation, there was an exchange of thoughts. There was language crossed between one person. There was barriers that were crossed that would not normally be crossed. But the barriers were worth crossing. Why? Because he was making her thirsty. The thing is that she was already thirsty. For she had five husbands and the one that she had wasn't hers. But the question is, how are we operating in a way that makes people thirsty for Jesus? That's your Jesus? I don't, I don't want that Jesus. I'm not thirsty for that. I'll, I'm not thirsty for that Jesus. I want to read this scripture to you because look, at the end of this conversation in John chapter 4, watch this. It says, Jesus told her, whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water that I will give him will never be thirsty the water that I will give him will become in him a well of life that lasts forever. Now, what are they sitting in? They're sitting on a well that they have to come to every single day. And God says the reason that you will never be thirsty is not because you won't be having to drink is that you will be regularly satisfied because there's a well inside of you. You're, you're, you're constantly, you're, you're, your thirst is constantly being quenched because the well is not this natural form of water, but it is a water that dwells on the inside of you. The woman said, sir, give me to drink. Give me this water so that I will never be thirsty. Then I will not have to come all this way for water. Did you see what just took place? She went from not wanting to talk to Jesus. Oh my God, I think our preachings, our preachings and our effectiveness will get better when we learn not to shove salt down people's throat and simply sprinkle some salt and let them come. Can I have that water? Darius, can I have the water? Because you look like you're full. You, you look like you're not thirsting. I'm walking around here thirst. I'm walking around here like I'm in a perpetual desert. Frank, you look like you're, you're, your thirst has been satisfied. 
And it's not that you're not drinking water. You just look like you're hydrated pretty well. And that's what the Holy Spirit of God is called. Now watch this. Watch this. Her thirst is quenched. Look what takes place. Next verse. She goes out into the city. Hear me. She goes out to the, into the city and she brought a vase. And that vase was left behind. You know why? Because she no longer needed the vase. Because she became the vase. And now the water she wasn't picking up, now the water was inside of her. Go back. Ne the next verse, the last verse. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus. Watch this. This is you. This is you, Danny. This is you, Zab. You're the Samaritan woman. Sheila, you're the Samaritan woman. Steph, you're the Samaritan woman. Watch this. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman said, he told me everything I've ever did. When they came out to see him, why did they believe? Why did they believe? They believed because of her. There are people that are going to believe in Jesus because of you. Lena, there are people that are going to believe in Jesus because of you. Miriam, there's people that are going to believe in Jesus because of you. When they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two, two days. Long enough for many more to hear his message and believe. Then they said to the woman. Now we believe. Not just because what you told us. But because we have heard him for ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Did you catch that? Did you catch that? Frank, come here. I believe, I believe because of Frank. I believe because of Frank. But Frank said, come, come, taste and see. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I'm believing because of you. Because you make it look good. Because you are a, right, uh, a rightful representative. I, I'm a taste. I, I believe because of everything that God has done in his life. I believe. But there comes a time where the people that believe because you, because, because they, the people that believe, there comes a time that when the people that believe because of you will now believe because they have experienced for themselves. So I believe because of Frank, but let me tell you, today my story is, I one day believed because of Frank, but as of right now, I believe because I have tasted for myself. It is no longer through Frank. At one time, let me, there are people right now that God has placed in your life so that you can be the people that they believe in him through you. So that one day they can believe for themselves. So can you please pass the salt? Can you please pass the salt? God didn't just call us to be clumped up. Hear me. And I, and I say this so carefully without sounding in any way judgmental or in any way kind of like putting the onus on you and making you feel forced to do something. No, Pastor uh, Daniel spoke about it yesterday. Get hungry for Jesus. Get passionate for Jesus. And when you do, the natural byproduct is to reach people. But I do want to. I wouldn't be a fit pastor. 
if I was just telling us, hey, let's stick in a bottle and just be salt in a bottle. Who are the people that are going to believe because of you? And so if you walk out this here, oh, man, I don't know what I'm going to do now. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I, I just got saved. How am I supposed to be the salt? Like, I, oh, man, I got to reach the world. If you're walking out of here and just focus on yourself, that you're not hearing this message. I want you to hear this. You are the salt of the earth, which means this. You are of highest value. And the only way that you can understand that you are, are of highest value is that you belong to a good, good father. That you belong to a mighty king. And so in turn, what that does, it says, man, I just need to talk to people about Jesus. I need, to, I need to show people how I get excited for Jesus. Woo! Oh, I'm so excited! What are you excited about? What, what are you doing? Like, what was what, that? Jane, Jane the Virgin Series 5 finish. It, what, what's so excited? I mean, what is life? Oh, man, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to church today. Woo! Oh, I'm going to church today, man. I'm so excited. What's so excited about church? Oh, taste and see. <laughs> taste, taste and see that the Lord is good. I mean, you get a taste. Oh, man, I can't explain it. You try to explain taste to someone, they don't understand. But when you take that sandwich and say, hey, take a bite. Oh, man, oh, man, can I get some of that? And God is saying, that's all you got to do, man. Be salt. Stop the decay in your, in your surroundings. Stop complaining about your context and start caring about it. Stop being a thermometer and start being a thermostat. Stop allowing your peace to be the one that this world has to offer, this life has to offer. Let your peace be one that has flavor on it. Put a little bit of adobo on your peace and you'll see the world wants some of that. Start making people thirsty for what you have. Yeah, you can take a horse to the water and you can't make him drink. But let me tell you, you can work up a horse's appetite. So by the time you bring him to the water, that, that horse becomes a dolphin because he wants to dive into that. I, I want you to live, hear me, I want to encourage you to live the kind of life that by the time you invite people to church, they're diving into the river. No, you can't. You can take a horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. That's true. But you can make him thirsty. Can we bow our heads? Let's stand up on our feet and bow our heads. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Our mission here at Christ Uncensored House of Worship is to love God, love people, and love life. Kuhau is a place where our story is still being written. Together, we can do more than we can ever do alone. If this message has encouraged you and you wish to partner with us in taking this message all across the world, go to kuhau.com slash give or follow us on any social media platform. Thank you in advance for your support and generosity. Come and begin a whole new journey with us.